You know, I'm excited about this fall. Uh, I, I really hope that you do check out what's going on online because we have some really great things we're starting in the next few weeks, and, and uh, this is kind of a fun time. So a lot of some groups are starting today, and, and so I'm thankful uh, for this time of the year. Now, we're also starting a new series today, and, and, this, and, and, and this is kind of prep day for us. We're prepping today. And, and I, uh, most of the time, when, if you're new here, we, most of the time we go through a book of the Bible. Like we just finished the book of First Peter, and that's online, and you can check that out. But over the next several uh, months, we're kind of going to lean into some core biblical doctrines uh, that, that really um, come from questions that our friends have about God. And, and, and so in preparation for this series, what I want to do today is lean into this conversation that Jesus had with some guys that were just kind of an as-you-go conversation. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 12. And, and as we kind of engage the text today and listen to the Lord today, um, let, let's pay attention to the way Jesus handled this, this kind of as-you-go conversation with uh, these guys in his life. Would you stand with me and let's, uh, let's read the passage. If you're new, we often, we often stand in honor of God's Word. And it's just a posture that enables us to um, acknowledge that, God, this is your Word, it's not ours. And so in verse 28 of Mark chapter 12, says this, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. When he, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second, and, um, and the second is like, there's no commandment greater than these, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him, and, and, and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then no one dared to ask him any more questions. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now in verse 28, uh, I think it's important to notice that the that this teacher of the law, he, he came upon this conversation and, and noticed that Jesus was debating. So, so I really think that the, the, if you follow the narrative of chapter 12, you kind of see that, that this happened later. Uh, so this was kind of one of those as-you-go conversations. It, it, it reminds me of maybe one of those water cooler conversations around your office or, or maybe a conversation in the lunchroom at school or uh, just kind of as you're going. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, these, these conversations happen to us all the time, don't they? Um, a topic comes up at 
work or, or, or maybe it's at a, your child, son's football game or, your, or a baseball game or a softball game and someone says, like, hey, you like go to church and stuff. What do you think about this? Or something happens in your neighborhood. And then a neighbor asks a question and it, and it spills into one of these incredible opportunities that, that, that it's a divine appointment that turns into a significant conversation about, about God. Now, today, I want us to get ready for those kind of conversations because I think this passage kind of focuses us and, 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 and I think it's interesting to consider the questions that come up in our lives. Um, the questions people ask us. You know, we, we've been soliciting that. And, and, and in fact, maybe you've had some questions that have come up along the way about God. And, and, and we have a link, and I want you to see it. They're going to put this link up. If you have some questions that have been asked to you, that well, we're going to try to tackle many of these in various ways. But, uh, but I, so I'd love it if you submitted that. But, but I want us to look at this passage because the, the big picture of this debate in this, in this conversation, Jesus not only summarizes the Ten Commandments, but, but this teacher of the law, he kind of brings into focus his eternal destiny. Now you realize that this is a calling we have, Right? To, to interact with the people we interact with, we're, we're called to help people consider their eternal destiny. You know, one of the values of our church, we, we articulate it like this, that, that, that we are uh, called to be ambassadors for Christ. And that means we represent Christ where we live. And, 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 and everywhere we go, we represent Christ. And we're, a, we're, we're an ambassador, ambassador for him. We, we, uh, uh, it is as though God were making his appeal through us. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5, 20. And, and you know, we've got to be ready for some of these impromptu conversations. And, and, and it's interesting, as you look at this discussion, this guy looks at Jesus and he notices that, hey man, this is a good debate and this guy, Jesus, he's, he's answered pretty wisely. So he says to them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, and Jesus said right here, if you're following along in our notes, that, that he, he articulates, this is one of those places in the Bible, he says that there's only one God. Look at verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. To love the Lord, he says, he says excuse me, um, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, he says. Now, I want you to know we're first and foremost Christians around here. When, 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 if we're going to describe ourselves, we're going to describe ourselves as followers of Christ. That, that is who, uh, that's our identity. That's who we uh, claim to, our, our allegiances to. We, we claim to be Christians. But, but, but we identify as a church, as a Southern Baptist church. And I'm grateful for our Southern Baptist roots and our Southern Baptist heritage because, you know, uh, I love being a Southern Baptist for, for lots of reasons, but two of them are, that are really important to me is our call to missions, that, that we have 30, over 3,600 missionaries that are all over the world. And, and next week, you're going to rub shoulders with one, and you're actually going to rub shoulders with one today, and I'm really excited about it. But I love our passion for missions. But I also love about Southern Baptists is we have a confession 
We are a confessional people, and, and you may not know this, and you may have never read this, but we have what we call the Baptist faith and message. It's a doctrinal statement. You ought to Google that. Not right now, because I'm preaching now, but, but, but you ought to Google that, the Baptist faith and message, because this, we have adopted some very clear and very strong doctrinal statements that articulate what we believe about so many different things. And this is something I, I hope that you, you read and you dig into. Like, um, when, when it comes to one of our beliefs, this passage, this idea that the Lord is one, it's in Article 2 of the Baptist Faith and Message. I want you to see it. It says this in Article 2, that there is one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. This is an article two of the Baptist Faith and Message. And, and, and we do believe that there's a master of this whole place and, and that, that God is personal. He is living. He is active. He is moving. He is drawing people. And he is, he is preserving our lives. And, and he is at work among us and in us and, and through us. And it's such an incredible journey to lean into the living God and walk with him and, and to know him. And folks, this is one of those places in the Bible where it clearly says there is one God. And that's it. And, and this belief, this, this revelation shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we live. And, and you know what? This idea is a little controversial in our pluralistic society, isn't it? Because we've all seen those stickers that say, hey, let's all coexist and, and let's all, you know, all religions are the same. You hear those ideas. And, and, but the, the truth is there's one God. That's it. You know, years ago... Um, I did a funeral alongside a prominent Muslim leader in Oklahoma. And man, it was pretty intense because he, this guy and I, he's, uh, uh, we really, we, we were, I was doing a Christian portion and he was doing a Muslim portion. It was a whacked out deal. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but it was an interesting deal. And, um, and afterwards, we spent about four hours together, me and this guy, and and we kind of liked each other because um, we were both evangelists. And it was really interesting to, to, to track that conversation because, because we were both going after it in a good way, a respectful way. And it, he was a wonderful man. We just got to an impasse because we both fully understood that the only path forward is for him to either convert to Christianity or me to convert to being a Muslim. And that, that wasn't going to happen on my side. But we were at an impasse. And you know what? Um, I, I've come to see that the Bible very clearly articulates that, uh, that, look, there's one God and there's one path to heaven. History indicates and reveals that there's one God and there's one path to heaven. You might go, well, how does history do that? Well, well, Jesus rose from the dead. And our impasse with this good leader, this, uh, he was a Muslim leader, I, Muhammad didn't do that. 
It was only Jesus that rose from the dead, folks. I mean, that's the one fear that, that, that every human being has facing death. And Jesus, it was only Jesus that conquered the grave. History points to this. But also, in my own personal experience, I've experienced the Lord draw me, the Lord speak to me, the Lord answer prayer, the Lord move in my life. And so, look, there's one God. And you know what's cool about this passage? What you see in this passage, it's one of those 1 Peter 3.15 moments. These happen all the time with us. Now, we looked at that several Several weeks ago, let me remind you about 1 Peter 3.15. It says this, that in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so, you know, as we, uh, you look at Jesus' life here, he was God in the flesh, so he, he's an example for all of us. But, but people wanted to know what Jesus was thinking because nobody lived like him. Nobody taught like him. But, but you know the truth is, when we walk with Jesus, when we interact with the Lord, and when, when Jesus is Lord of our lives, do you know what happens? People want to know what we're thinking too. People want to know what you're thinking. And so we got to prepare for these 1 Peter 3.15 moments because, you know, um, we, we understand uh, the, this, this, this experience. We will live this experience of people like Jesus. People are, this guy was saying, what do you think about this? Now, in this passage, it's, known, it's famously known as the great commandment. And, and, and this is important because what we see is the, the impact of lordship what happens in our lives. And and, in our complete devotion to the Lord, you know what that makes us? It helps us become the right kind of witness. And as I look at the world right now and what's unfolding in the world right now, it is critically important for us as a body to be the right kind of witness. And Jesus unfolds this whole thing. And, 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 And here's what I'm praying this week. The reason why this is a, a really important um, moment for us. Uh, it's, a, it's a prep moment. It's a gospel adventure prep moment for us because we're called to be a witness today here where we live. Now look at verse 30. Um, this this uh, guy says, what's the most important commandment? And he said, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Verse 30, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, and this is an incredible summary. He, you know, the guy's asking him about the Ten Commandments. He was a teacher of the law. So, so he was a Jewish guy, and he understood the Old Testament law. And he said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus does a masterful job of summarizing the Ten Commandments. Now, let's do a quick review of those Ten Commandments. You might write this down because you can find them in your Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are just places where those are listed. And and loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, it produces a life that kind of follows these first four commandments. Remember the first commandment? It's, it's, It's that there's no other gods before me. 
That's the first commandment. And, and you know, uh, uh, when you love God with all you have, you have this passion to keep God first in your life. And this is important for all of us. We're the right kind of witness when God is first. The second commandment is no idols. That means we, we, we don't take our eyes off, off of Jesus, that, that there, there's no substitutes uh, in our worship, that we worship Christ alone. And this is, uh, this is loving God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. The third commandment is, remember, it's honor God's name. You honor the name of God. And, and, and it's not just don't say a cuss word. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's this, your life provides this picture of Jesus, this picture of God. And, and this is important for us to have a life that, that just shows Christ. And then the fourth commandment, honor God's day. And, and in the Old Testament, it talks about the Sabbath, but then Jesus comes in and he, and, and he, he starts the church. And, and we set aside a day like today to gather together as God's people and, and push one another and walk together and worship together. And, and, and you know what? This morning, this is prep day. As we prepare to engage our family, our friends, our coworkers, as, as, as we deal with questions that come our way, can I just push us? I feel this push from God's word, from Jesus, to have this growing love for God. And this is a call we have. And, and what I love about this statement, he says, he, that to love God with your heart, your mind, soul, and your strength, it kind of puts flesh on the first four commandments. But then look what he says in verse 31. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's interesting is Jesus then summarized the commandments five through ten. Now, if you look at the Ten Commandments, you... Uh, you see a synopsis of this because once you love God with all you have, you know what that naturally moves you to do? It naturally moves you to notice the people in your life. And it's the people that are closest to you first that you start to notice. And I think it's interesting, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. You know, it's this idea, I think, that an application of this is that we, our family is kind of our first ministry. And, and you know, as we walk with the Lord, we're to love our family. We're to walk with our family. And that's sometimes challenging, isn't it? It's challenging sometimes to love those that are closest to us. The sixth commandment, do not murder. Now, most of us can go, oh, I got that one. I've not murdered anybody this last month, you know? Uh, and we can check that off our box, but Jesus kind of took that a little different level in the, in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, look, murder is not just the actual taking of a life, but it's when you're angry with somebody. And so we understand that as we walk with Jesus and understand his word, that, that we live by the fruit of the Spirit and we watch our mouths and our attitudes and our, and our anger with people. And then the, the seventh commandment is you, you notice people do not commit adultery. That's the seventh commandment. Now, again, we know that that's just not the physical act of adultery. Jesus took that a little further and says, look, we're going we're gonna to guard our minds. We're going to remain sexually pure. This is a discipline that we will pursue. This is what, I'm not taking advantage of somebody else. And this is the calling to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then the eighth commandment, do not steal 
We're not going to steal from somebody. We're going to earn our way. We're going to be a, a good example here. The ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. I, I'm going to, my yes is going to be yes. My no is going to be no. I'm going to live with integrity. This is what a follower of Christ does. This is what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the tenth commandment, do not covet. I'm going to live with contentment. I'm going to be content with my life. And I think it's masterful how Jesus, in this debate, this guy's like, hey, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus just l- throws out this summary. And, and, and then it's interesting. Look at, look at verse 32. The guy looks at Jesus and says, well said, teacher. I bet Jesus is like, thanks. I, I'd have been smart, Alec. I'd be like, I, I'm like God in the flesh, man. Uh, no kidding. Thank you for the pat on the back. Uh, but Jesus was better than me. You know, gentleness and respect, I'm learning that. But, but, he, but, G, but he says, well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that, that, uh, that there, there's one God and no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and, and with all your strength, this is better than, than sacrifices and, and, and burnt offerings. He said, this is better. And then Jesus looked at him. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 is so very fascinating. Because Jesus looks at this teacher of the law. And when he saw that he had answered wisely, he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, I bet that rocked his world. You know why? Because he was a teacher of the law. He was an insider. He was the, the guy that knew stuff. He was the guy that people came to. He was the guy that everybody said, you're the example. And Jesus so very boldly, directly, gently said, buddy, you're not in but you're getting close. And I bet he was like, and then no wonder it ends with no one dared to ask him any more questions. I bet they were like, I gotta think about that for a while. You know, when I, when I look at this, I don't think Jesus was slamming the guy. You know what I think Jesus is doing? I think he's reaching out to the guy. I think he's drawing him. I think he's going, oh, man, hey, you're not far from the kingdom. You know why? Because he's coming to Jesus. He's seeking. He's looking. And Jesus says, oh, man, you're not far from the kingdom. Now, this makes sense that he's seeking, right? Because you know, we know how Jesus entered the world. He entered the world in a way that, that was miraculous, Oh my goodness, how Jesus entered the world. No one entered the world like that. And, and we know the kind of life that Jesus lived. I mean, the people that heard him teach said, I've got to ask you some questions. I've got to dig into, you're different. And this is our calling too. We, we represent him and, and we should live differently and act differently and be intriguing to a lost world. But then nobody sacrificed like Jesus. Oh, you know how he sacrificed, right? You know who he is. He was God in the flesh. He was holiness in the flesh. 
without sin. And, and then on the cross, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He became sin for you and me. Oh my goodness, we're going we're gonna to see that. We're going to see holiness one day. And I think when we see that, we're going to be like, whoa, oh my goodness, holy God became sin. Let me tell you, nobody sacrificed like Jesus. And then know this, nobody rose from the dead except Jesus. And that's why when I was with this friend of mine, and we, we haven't met since, but this Muslim leader we were at an impasse because I was like, hey, man, I know you've studied the Quran, but let me tell you something, brother, friend, and call him brother, friend, nobody but Jesus conquered the grave. And, and you know what? When you think about all that Jesus has done, I just want you to know there is only one Savior. Folks, there's only one path, and that's it. Now, this morning, I need some help today. I've got a friend here. Mark, I want you to come on up. This is Mark Hall. And uh, I want you to know Mark. Mark grew up in this church. Uh, he graduated from Owasso High School with Londa Balthrop. And um, Mark and I were friends at OBU. And um, Mark is one of our IMB missionaries that's serving the Lord in Asia. And, and I'll tell you about Mark and Ann. Uh, they were, they're close to us. Uh, we've been close to them for a long time. When we were at our former church, they came home stateside and were in our small group. Uh, and they were very dear to us. And, uh, and he grew up in this church. And um, right now, and, I, and he's not going to, he's more humble than, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass him a little bit, but this is a giant of the faith right, now, right here. His wife's even more of a giant. No offense. Um, but, but right now, God is using Mark to connect with a UPG. That's a fancy term for, a, a missionary term for unreached people group. Right now, there are 7,361 unreached people groups in the world. That means they have no person that has shared the gospel with them uh, in, their, in their language. Right now, in the last year, God's used them to engage with a people group that nobody has ever reached. And so, Mark, help me just, first of all, Let's do what you did last service. Uh, I want you to help give us some background on your sure. deal, and we'll just go with this. And if we go long, hey, just relax. Well, first, thanks, Chris. Right. And right. It's a pleasure to be back at Wasso First Baptist. You know, my family is still here. My parents still live here in Wasso, and so we get to come back and, and be amongst you uh, periodically. So thanks again. And you know, Chris and I talk a lot just kind of over time, and we have kindred hearts to see, you know, the lost of the world come to faith, whether it's here or whether it's abroad. And you know, when we first went to Cambodia 20 years ago, um, you know, my wife and I um, basically left Oklahoma City with, with health degrees. And we heard one day from the Lord, after I actually visited Cambodia on a mission trip, that we were to sell all our things and move to Cambodia. 
And you know, I can't go into all the details now, but it was a moment in time for us that there was no question that God had given us clear instruction. And it was the only question was, do we obey or do we, we walk away from that? And to me, that's so much what we're talking about here today, whether it's going abroad or whether it's going across the street, whether it's going uh, to a distant land where you have to learn a language or it's going uh, in a part of town where maybe it's a little risky. Um, God's called us to be about his glory amongst, amongst people and amongst the nations. And as Chris said earlier, that's an amazing part of being a Baptist. And I love that we all get to contribute to that globally. So if you don't know much about that and dig into that, you will be uh, enthralled to hear about what God's doing around the world. You know, Chris has been a trustee recently and has obviously been in missions for a while, but you, it just blows itself up the more you know about it. And you're going to love Wilson next week. He's amazing. Come back with your friends. Um, so back to, to our story. We went to Cambodia, and you know, these, these passages began to be really relevant to me, this exact passage, because I realized very quickly I had little to offer. I, you know, I'm trying to learn a language that I can't speak, and I sound like a child. You know, so without God's strength, without me giving him my mind, soul, strength, heart, and if I tried to hold any of that back, I would have very little effect for his kingdom. You know, and so that became a, a kind of a battle cry of mine that if I can do nothing else, it's I will devote myself to that commandment because without him, I am nothing. And so that actually became, through some time, as we saw God do work amongst the Khmer people, the, the dominant people group, that became the missiology I used with them saying, hey, um, look at these two critical things. You know, language and education is difficult for, you know, that part of the world. They haven't always finished a lot of school. So giving a lot of list of things was very difficult. But if I could say, are you? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you're doing that, that provokes us to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does that really mean, right? You know, I think all of us know that, those verses. We've heard them a lot. But it's so easy for us to let our strength go to this thing or to that thing. Therefore, our mind shifts and our thoughts shift, and they get away from the things of God. And so I said the same thing, you know, as I'm saying it to myself, I'm saying it to you. I said it to my Cambodian brothers and sisters that that is where it starts. And, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter as we're talking about what you're, you all are doing here in Owasso and in Tulsa. That is the call on our hearts to be about his glory being known where it's not. You know, and I do that in a weird place in the hinterlands of the world. And, uh, you know, five years ago, my wife and I moved to even more remote hinterlands than you would even probably know. So uh, we do that because we realized God had done a great work, but it's like, what's the next step? Either we leave and go to another uh, country, or what does it mean here? So we began to realize through the crazy, war-torn history of Cambodia that they had, and God could use them to go into Vietnam, to go into Laos, to reach these tribal minorities who were ancestor worshipers, to talk to Islamic people and interface that lived there in Cambodia. And what does that look like? So we began to push to this idea of mission. What does it look like? What's your ends of the earth? And so we began to flesh this out. So Anne and I modeled that and moved five hours away to another part of Cambodia where the Cham people live, these Muslim people. So here's a current story. That, you know, our, our, we speak the dominant language. I don't speak that language very well. But my wife's learning it, and she's getting good fast, only because I believe God's giving her another gift of tongue. Mm -hmm. So um, that's happening today. So here's a little glimpse of what's happening in the last couple weeks. In the earlier service, my son was here and my parents, and you know, I'm, I'm here because I'm taking him to university. 
that's what's happening in our lives. So here we are. We're out traveling, doing some trekking, uh, having a little father-son time, and um, I get a call or text goes off of my phone at midnight, and my wife had been involved in a car accident uh, in Cambodia. And things are all right, car got destroyed, but nobody was hurt. In that car were three Cham ladies, Islamic ladies, who were in great poverty, come out of great poverty, they're in great poverty, uh, tremendous ailments that uh, would disgust you if I dug into them. One little child of five years old has a horrific skin disease. She requires constant medical care, and it's very, very hard to watch. Through ministering to them slowly with a lot of rebuttal of, you know, who is this Jesus? You cannot pray for me in the name of Jesus. You know, only Allah. You know, I follow the Quran. You know, we begin to say, how can we press in to their lives and get them to see that it, the name of Jesus is where that power is. And they had to cry out to Jesus to see any truth, but yet they're searching. And that's something we don't fully understand, I think, in our context here. You know, even Buddhists are following a line of Ten Commandments. They, they know it's written on our hearts, I believe, these things that God created us not to murder, not to steal. They know these things, but what happens? It's rampant. It's debauchery. It's bondage to sin. And yet, when somebody realizes that Christ died for their sins and lets go of these cultural uh, merit-based paths, God does a miracle in their lives. So that's happening. So here's what happened after that accident. These ladies basically have a crisis of faith, and they, they watch Ann handle, um, my wife handle this accident. They're kind of, at, you know, obviously with anxiety and, and fear, far from home. Nobody can help them. Um, they're going to have to wait for hours for some of our friends to show up and, and help alleviate this, this thing. Cars not drivable. So um, that evening they go through quite a bit of challenge, and I'm talking to her, helping her through it. They end up at our um, like place where one of our first churches was started. And, you know, I saw pictures later, and it just brought me to tears because that Khmer community, the dominant people group, surrounded these ethnic Islamic people and just began to pray over them put their hands on them, calm their spirits, testify to the love of Christ in their lives and how God had changed the 15-year-old the girl's life that I met when she was 15. Today, she's a 40-year-old pharmacist who goes out into remote communities, giving her gifts back to Christ and sharing and starting churches around the world. So they're interfacing with those believers. And that crisis of faith provokes them to say, this is something I have not witnessed or understood at this heart level. I mean, a lot of head stuff, a lot of information, but never understood this love that transcends all understanding, this peace. So there's a grandma with them in this particular instance, and she says to them in this moment, this is the truth we've been looking for. Now settle on that for a second. Hmm. The world is looking for people who put their faith into the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And we are those people. And that comes with this role of an ambassador. Does it not? You know, when I look at Mark, I've always been inspired how he loved God so much so that he went to the ends of the earth. I've also been amazed how he noticed people. And so let's bring this into an invitation right now. Let me tell you something. 
There are people in our lives that are not far from the kingdom of God. Mark, you mentioned something to me and that you passed these Chai people to go to. Just say that. Just Yeah, so start. because we speak Khmer, we moved to this rural area, the easiest thing for us was to find the Cambodian, the, you know, the dominant people group, find out where they were, and we'd be driving past uh, other villages to get there. And that was easy for us. We're very confident in that language. But, you know, we met and saw these Muslim communities, and God just pricked our hearts, and had been for years, actually. But just stop. Buy water. Get to know some people. But we've been told before, oh, you can't do that very easily because of language problems. And we said, ah, who cares? Let's try this. You know. so, <laughs> so can I just put in our laps today? There are people that we will rub shoulders with that are not far from the kingdom. And there'll be conversations that will just happen that we got to get ready for. Now, I want you to write something down because I got four more things to just quickly tell you. If you're going to share the gospel, we got to get ready to share the gospel with, with our friends and our family. And and I think here are just four things that I think will help you share the gospel. The first thing I just want to, like if these conversations come up, naturally work in about sin being your problem. You realize sin's our greatest problem. Isaiah 53, 6. Romans 3, 23. I mean, sin's our problem. Also, when you think about conversations that come up, forgiveness is your story. Don't you remember when you were forgiven? When God saved you? When, when Christ um, let you experience forgiveness? That's Romans 5.8. Isaiah 53.5. And then remember in your life when God drew you. God spoke to you and you realized that salvation was a gift that was available to you. Oh, it was available to you. And then think about how you responded. How did you respond to God? How did you answer his voice? How did you... Uh, what did you do? Romans 10, 9, and 10 speaks to this. And, and you realize that for every person, responding to Christ is unavoidable. You'll either reject him or receive him. And, and you know next week why I think it's so important? Wilson is coming. And, and you know what's interesting about Wilson? And he'll tell you next week. Your friends need to hear his story. He was this executive, a big big-time uh, executive for a computer science firm. He was the boss. He was smart. He had the plan. But he came to work every day, and nobody knew that he was hurting. He was searching. He was struggling, but he didn't let anybody know that. And then one day, this young engineer, computer science engineer, starts to work for him. 
He was a Christian. And Wilson says, you don't believe that junk, do you? And the guy was like, I do. I really do. And that began a journey. Wilson comes to Christ. And now he serves as a missionary. Can I challenge you this week? Bring somebody next week. Now, um, here's how I want to end today. Maybe as you have been here this morning, and we've talked about people. We've talked about your walk with the Lord. You know what my prayer has been? That we walk out of this room more in love with Jesus today than we've ever been. Second thing I'm, I'm prayerful today is that we walk out of this room with people on our mind. There are people in our lives who are not far from the kingdom. And let's, let's, let's engage. Let's be a witness. Let's be an ambassador. Let's notice them. Here's what I want us to do. Maybe you need to go and pray for someone that you need to talk to. Maybe you need to pray for your own boldness. Okay, that's okay. Um, let's allow the Lord to move us right now. To move us to pray, to, to seek Him. Maybe you don't have a story of forgiveness. Uh, maybe when I said, hey, do you remember your story of forgiveness? You're like, I don't remember. Do you know that you could get, you could experience that today? Oh man, that's why we're here. But here's, here's something I want to do for Mark. I want us to pray over him. I, I want some people, Mark, I want you to stand down here in the front. And I want us to rally around them, around Mark, and, and, and pray for Anne and the John people. that there'd be someone saved. So if you feel led to do that, let's get all messy and lay hands on Mark. But let's all, maybe you need to just come and get on your knees and pray for your friends, your family. Maybe you need to come to Christ. Let's not miss the moment. So often we miss the moment. Not today. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, move us right now. Move us. We're so very proud of Mark. We're so very grateful for how you're using him. And as our church rallies around him today, as we rally around this people that has never had one convert to Christ that have been stuck in bondage. We pray for someone to be saved in the Cham people. Lord, it's odd to pray, thank you for Ann hitting that cow this week. But Lord, help them. 
open eyes, open doors. Lord, use us. I pray for Wilson next week. Lord, move us, break us, move us to love you with all we have, to see people like you see them. In Jesus' name, amen.